My name is John Jacob and you're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. Episode 14 of this podcast series is a little different from normal. It was recorded outside of London, behind the scenes at the inaugural Waterperry Opera Festival in the idyllic setting of Waterperry Gardens in rural Oxfordshire. In this podcast, you'll hear me talking to baritone Nick Morton and musical director Bertie Bajant, conversation recorded before I watched the final dress rehearsal for one of the operas in production, Jonathan Dove's sparkling setting of Jane Austen's Mansfield Park, an excerpt from which you heard at the top of this podcast. To kick off my visit, festival director Guy Withers took me on a tour of the considerable site after a short but generous lunch. Seem very uh, alert and perky and very smiley. That's the coffee. Is it? <laughs> considering that you're running the inaugural festival, um, uh, you seem. Is that your natural state? Uh, well, I train as an opera singer. I'm, oh, I, I'm, I'm an opera singer first. Um, right, so it's all like, oh, we're really, really up all the time. Well, no, well, no but I, I've always had a calling towards helping to sort of make things behind the scenes, uh, helping things happen and getting involved on the. Uh, on the ground floor, you know, at the start of stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's, I moonlight as an opera singer and I also do this full time. Um, it's lunchtime now, hence it the is, noise. Yeah, yeah. How many people are here? You were telling me in the car over here. Uh, so, today we have 75. We started on Monday with 50, and by the weekend when the festival opens, there'll be 100 people on site. Uh, that's a mix of artists, volunteers, catering staff, uh, stewards, uh, orchestra members, conductors, uh, all that sort of thing. Um, when did you have the idea for this? I didn't, I'm really sorry. Obviously, no, I've fine. done my research, no, no. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I didn't realise it was the first year. When did you decide that this was what you wanted to do? So, when I saw the estate for the first time, and we'll probably go and look at the amphitheatre later and the site, I just thought, it's an amazing space uh, with an amazing opportunity to make something really special. Um, the site itself has had 40 years of... Uh, artistic heritage it used to be an arts festival here uh, and when that closed two years ago there was nothing happening there was no longer sort of uh, the vibe we have now of, of collective artists kind of collecting and making work together so we thought well let's do our own version of that uh, and us being opera people let's do that um, and so yeah it was, for me it was a mix of uh, setting up our own version of our opera festival uh, but at the same time properly making a festival as opposed to a season. So we have the idea being that, like a fringe festival, like in Edinburgh, uh, there, are, there are events happening uh, all day, every day, and for every, every sort of person could possibly want, basically. But how long did it take? I'm trying to work Sorry, out how yes. long all of this took to, to put okay. together. And you don't need to apologise, it's no. such a conversation. <laughs> so uh, we had the idea, Rebecca Meltzer and Bertie Bajant and I, about 13 months ago. So it's only been a year in the making, uh, which sounds like a long time, but actually, it's take not. A, it's, not it's really not. Um, so we performed a production of Cosi Fantute in the amphitheatre last year and decided after that that really that was what we wanted to do. 
and we set up an organization. We are a charity. Uh, we sort of got staff on board. Then we cast, well, first we got the opera, operas we wanted to do, cast it, found directors, found designers, uh, organized everything, get, got did, them all here. You did all of that in a year? In a year, yeah. All these people you can see eating lunch right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm really stunned. What did you... What was the biggest challenge doing that, apart from the time? <laughs> uh, for me, it was a massive learning curve, going from uh, being a performer, uh, also from uh, having made only small things myself, uh, being involved in, uh, uh, in small fringe operas, to suddenly deciding, OK, you need to employ... Uh, really important people that know how to make method statements, who know how to do risk assessments, who know how to book travel for your people, who know how to put together a catering team, who know how to uh, uh, deal with persons who have accessibility needs, who have uh, dietary needs. So all those sort of things that you don't really think about when you're in London and can just go to a theatre, we have to think about because we house all our artists and they all come here and live for a week. did you know about that stuff? before you started on this project or is it as a result of this project that you discovered oh I'm going to think about all of this so uh, I was aware that we needed to put up our artists and we wanted to do that to create this sort of residency feel uh, but I didn't really know all the things that you need to do to make sure this is a sort of safe and happy environment uh, but that's fine you, this is our first year we learn everything this year and then we can just improve next year have you always been this positive? I uh, no. Yes. No. 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 <laughs> uh, I'm. Uh, yeah. No. I'm a. I'm a problem solver right. by trade. Okay. So okay. I would say that um, there I have, are no problems. They're just opportunities for resolution. Well, not so. Saying. Well, perhaps. But okay. more, more, I'm saying is that um, I, I'm really ambitious with the scope of what we want to achieve and what I've always wanted to achieve as a performer, as a person. And then I try my best to try and get the best people around me and around the team to make that happen. Are you aware that you're quite unusual? Do people say that you're quite unusual? Because you obviously have an enormous amount of energy yes. and you have vision and, you, I mean, you have an enormous amount of energy. I'm not deliberately trying to flatter you. I'm, as, <laughs> I'm just wondering if anybody else has pointed that out to you. Uh, yes, although perhaps at late at night I look quite tired and they wonder right. whether I should be going to bed. But uh, Presumably not with a microphone either. No. Um, uh, <laughs> why don't we... Let's go outside. Yeah. Let's go outside and then you can tell me about the building. Uh, so when did you um, when did you come to this house the first time? I came here for Cosi Fantute about 13 months ago. So talking about June, July 2017. What did you love about it? Well, I didn't realise, for one, that it had so much in that it has a beautiful Regency house that actually dates back to Jacobean times, has a chapel uh, that, again, is pre-conquest, and the gardens are almost second to none around the country. So Beatrix Havergal was a uh, really uh, prominent and forward-thinking women's horticulturist who owned the site from 1930 to 1970 and ran a women's college here uh, for horticulturalists. And so the, the gardens are spectacular. And I thought that was an amazing opportunity to sort of engage both a, uh, a community of gardeners, a community of outdoor lovers, and a community of architectural lovers and art lovers and to come together. And, of course, we've got a blooming fantastic amphitheatre as well, which is... A blooming fantastic. Yeah, exactly, without swearing on the podcast. You've worked, yeah. you've worked in marketing, haven't uh, you? Well, only, yeah. Yeah, only for uh, 12 so months. Describe, <laughs> describe uh, the house, because it's obviously audio and people are not going to be able to see it. What a pity. Uh, so... <laughs> If you think of a Jane Austen film, it's pretty much that. You've got three floors of, uh, with Regency facade, 
uh, and a portico uh, with four uh, Greek columns and a balcony and a big window at the front of the house which leads into the ballroom and a lovely sort of uh, three-metre wooden door inviting you into the entrance hall. Uh, and you're doing Mansfield Park in, in the ballroom? That's right. So we're on the front lawn here, and we can sort of look into the ballroom there where the chandelier is, and that is the, the ballroom, uh, and that's where Mansfield Park is happening, yes. Let's go in. Let's Great. Because uh, I'm conscious that, you're, obviously, you're a very busy man. You've got a radio in your pocket, which I suggests do. that off, you could be called at any stage. And somebody needs to speak to you, so you must. No. Everything all right, mate? Yes, good. Maze Slightly terrified. He's our stage manager from Mansfield Park. Um, where, do, where should we go next? Uh, we can, we can I'd go, like to go upstairs. Let's go to the ballroom. I'd like to go upstairs. Good. Well, we're in the fresco hall currently, which right. is filled with beautiful frescoes of uh, spiritual. Uh, it's what's its Indian creation? There we go. So, yeah, a mix, a mix of different uh, spiritual myths and, yeah, and sort of a Noah's Ark story going on here. Right. And, and the sort of cycle of man going up there and it goes all the way up three floors into the ceiling and out, out the, uh, uh, the glass window at the top how do you know, so we were talking to a direct I'm pointing at it now yes. it doesn't really make any difference but um, how do you know the people who are working on it are these people that you've all studied with or that you've all worked with before it's a mix right. so uh, I think a really good rule of making art together is uh, bring the people that you know are really good to make the work with you so uh, most people I've worked with before and most that I haven't worked with before have been uh, suggested to me or sort of this person's great you should get them on board okay well let's, let's talk and let's, let's start a dialogue so um, I've worked with Rebecca for two years uh, May who's our stage manager there she was suggested by Ashley who was suggested by Rebecca so it's sort of a case to case basis of uh, who's really good what, what, what roles do we need and who can really help fill that in our community really and you did that again, you did that in a year? Yeah, 12 months. We also held auditions, of course. Of course, for our cast, yeah. For our no. cast, yeah. yeah it's not yeah. like you just picked people out of the end. No. So, no. Sorry, Hello. for the purposes of the audio so that we have <laughs> it on the record, who are you, why are you here? I'm Rebecca Mouncer, I'm the other festival director with Guy, who's been organising the festival. Right, um, and, and you've got passes and we everything. We do have passes, yeah. Lanyards, yeah. Lanyards. <laughs> um, and I'm also directing... Um, Mansfield Park and we have the dress rehearsal that which starts in about 45 minutes You're looking at Guy like you're checking that you've got that information correct, <laughs> surely you should know that He's already. He's a stickler for detail so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And idea. what was your so what was your background before you came um, Before I came to Waterbury or yeah. um, so I've worked in Opera over the last four years as uh, partially a director but also a movement director and a choreographer um, and in this case, it's sort of a bit of everything as a festival director. It's right. hands-on. Yeah, a bit of know. clean plates. Uh, really? yeah, I was in the kitchen, I was in the kitchen yesterday. Says leaning into the microphone, <laughs> making absolutely sure that everybody knows. <laughs> Leading the washing up crew. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, tell, so very quickly, because you're busy and we're about to see this, uh, tell me about Mansfield Park. What, what is the great thing about the opera? It's a fantastically fun, energetic quirky piece that brings together 10 wonderful singers in a very kind of um, uh, integrative uh, ensemble way um, I mean there's rarely less than about 8 of them on stage at any one time uh, that's, that's considerable actually Absolutely. Is it, from a directing point of view that means yeah. there's quite a lot of, because the stuff that I've seen of it is quite small scale in that the stage yeah. is quite small meaning that you have a lot yeah. of work to do as a director well, the biggest challenge we've had over the last few days, actually, is dealing with sight lines. So if one actor or one performer, in this case one opera singer, gets in the way of another performer, um, it's sort of that minute, can you just inch 
to the side by half a foot sort of thing and therefore the audience are able to see the person behind you so dealing with 10 people on stage in a very intimate space we've got four by four up there um, that's the real challenge when it comes to this piece and when the, the pace of the opera is also just so quick so we move from scene to scene um, at such a rate you know just to, so uh, well, I get the impression that you like that I, I have this I mean I don't know you but I have this hunch that you like detail and you like things to move quickly absolutely and that's why I love this opera that's why I've drawn this opera I think you know who chose the opera then was that was that both of you yeah we came to a decision together in um, fact Rebecca and I uh, first met working on a production of Mansell Park at the Edinburgh Fringe yes. two years oh, ago wow. so we know the work before in fact we both yeah. so was that the same production that was at Grimeborn yeah. Festival um, Grime. No, 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 okay. no, no, yeah, this was um, a, a little while ago, but, but still, so that that uh, so soon it was, soon after it was written, it was yeah, only written in 2011. About, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's not very old at all, right? Um, but when we were talking about the house earlier, when we knew that we could use the house, I we were like, immediately, yeah. there's perfect, you know, there's a, there's a grand piano in there, the piece is written for a grand piano, yeah, you've got and a ready made backdrop, exactly. You've got, um, we'll go up there and we'll have a look, but I'm just saying that it, it felt perfect. To space, it doesn't feel like it should be a piece for a theatre. Yeah. It's a piece for for a house. Well, that's what it was originally intended for. Um, Jonathan Dub wrote it to be performed in country houses, so it's sort of returning to its origins in that mm. sense. And we also thought it would be a really nice contrast to Don Giovanni, something very different well, in a no. very different space. Yep, open air. You've got your head in your hands now. Sorry, no, 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 no. You're feeling a bit tired. No. <laughs> Do you need to sit down, guy? No, I'm fine. I'll just <laughs> get another, another, co- another coffee. It's fine. Uh, shall we go upstairs? Then? Let's go upstairs. I'm going to just uh, continue with the chat. Should we go up the main staircase? Okay, okay, after you. Thank you. So here we are. Main staircase of the house. Right. Um, let's, shall we go up? <laughs> Someone's playing something in the ballroom. Is it going to hear? Delightful. I hope they don't want any money for it. <laughs> oh wow, look at this. You're welcome, yeah, this is the law room. Isn't it fab? And you can just yeah, it's surprisingly small as well. Actually. It's quite small, yeah, it's not too big, but we can fit 80 people in here. How many performances have you been Just two, unfortunately. Because um, the festival only takes place over three days, um, and this is a matinee show, right. Saturday and Sunday. Um, but it, it's meant that it's sold out very quickly, and also we've had a lot of interest in, in it as a, as a sort of a very intimate, immersive piece, really. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. Move whilst on? they practice. Whilst they're practicing something. God knows. Otherwise, we're going to have to edit them out. Yeah. And that's just going to be a nightmare. It's an unknown space, and when people say, Oh, you're doing something at Waterbury? What's that? I don't know where it is. And I go, well, it's just next to Oxford. It's about an hour from London. We go, really? It's like, yeah, I, I drove here from, from where I live in West London. It took me 50 minutes. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's just past Garsington, really. Um, and but doesn't that make it a bit of a daunting thing if you know that people don't know where it is? Would, I mean, that, that would make me go, oh, no, it's going to be a real struggle. What? I mean... Do you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Didn't that make you go, no, actually, that wouldn't be such an easy thing to do? Well, not so much, because I always knew that opera lovers, we could find them and we could seek them out. But also, this place has a community. Like, hundreds of people here visit just to see the garden. And so we're keen to make work for them. And they see our posters up, and, they, and they're the ones who have booked to come and see our art. So in a way, we're accessing an audience that doesn't generally go to London and go to the Opera House or are able to see someone like ETO because they live in rural Oxfordshire, for instance. So... Um, that's really exciting. We've got about a thousand people coming over the next three days for all our events. 
and uh, we've sold out most of our shows which is incredible wow. so so what experience did you get from from edinburgh that's helped you here well i what i really loved about it as an experience was the fact that i could pick up a program and, and see the opportunities that uh, of, of things I could take part in uh, and that just didn't mean like shows I could see but maybe I could go and see a talk or uh, I could go and take part in something uh, like a mass class or a workshop or something like that and um, also that some things are free and that's very rare so some events here are free and you come to a talk or um, come to a, uh, one of our shows on Saturday for free you don't need a ticket you just turn up but what that I've been to Edinburgh a couple of times and I've always been struck by um the amount of energy that performers and directors have to put in, and producers have to put into their own productions and also the amount of money um, yes. that they have to put in yes. and, and I've always come away from the fringe and thought wow that you've got to be a certain kind of person I'm I wonder what you learned from that that has helped you put this on I think it was quality over quantity even though that we have a lot of events happening I wanted to make sure that what we did, we did really well and that our audiences and our artists have a really great time. Um, so it was about sort of a, a community, that, that sense of collectiveness, that sense of we're here to witness and to make art together. And uh, what's been really lovely is that we have artists on site. So when the audience are around, the artists are here too. And we're all here to sort of make it together sort of thing. So that, that's, that's sort of, I think, quite unique to the Fringe in that, you know, we walk down the mile, you know, hopefully people will walk down our, our garden path and see our artists or someone playing a free concert in the garden or, or can walk into the amphitheatre or the artist hall and see the frescoes. So there we go. Uh, tell me where we are now. We're in the amphitheatre, which, even though it looks Grecian, uh, was only built 10 years ago and it has a lovely folly and a tunnel and it seats about 300 people. Uh, open air and um, situated at the corner of the garden shop our orchestra sit on the bridge covered and we have our lighting rig around and this is where Don Giovanni happens are you excited? I'm very excited we had a dress rehearsal last night and uh, it was clear skies the first half was natural light a bit like the globe sort of wow. thing and then we had an hour and a half break for we all had dinner in, in the house and we came back and at 8 o'clock 8.30 we went, went up for act 2 and then the lights went and the light and then the theatre lights came on and then Don Giovanni was dragged to hell by the commendatore in a big sort of red uh red glare as it were <laughs> so that's really exciting you know we're outside we're not in a theatre you know um well we, we are in a theatre but we're, we're not in a, an enclosed space we're in a natural space and uh the birds fly past and last night a chinook went past as, as commendatore was singing Don Giovanni so let's embrace that did you see Grimes on the beach I have seen it on DVD, but right, not, okay, but not okay. in the flesh. Because there's a similar kind of thing going yes, on there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, a really weird, sort of slightly um, discombobulating experience where um, mm. the music is right for the location, even though it wasn't intended for that location. Exactly. And, and it's all about the, uh, the light going down. I mean, I found it incredibly moving to be there and also to watch it, but it's a similar thing going on here. Let's hope. <laughs> um, with, well, without... Bertie Bagent, mm-hmm. fantastic name. Presumably people have already told you that before. Once or twice, yeah. Right, I mean, it's great for SEO, which means that you're very easily findable. Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, what has brought you to Waterperry? Where were you before here? Well, I um, was studying at the Royal Academy of Music, where I met Guy Withers. And in fact, he and I and Rebecca Meltzer, who's the other festival director, had all worked together on a production of Cosi Fan Tutte last summer. 
um, and we'd we'd toured that production and come to Waterbury for our last show. And I think because of that, we we really enjoyed working together as a team, and we really loved the site. And then from there, Guy and Rebecca have put together this festival, and I was very pleased to be asked to work with them again. I thought there were three directors. Aren't you? Are you not one of the festival directors? I think I'm officially a director. Right. Yes, I mean, I'm sure I, I saw your name on the on the website. So I think I'm I'm, I'm the festival musical director. So I'm um, overall responsible for all of the musical aspects of the shows and in all the performances Don Giovanni is the one that I'm going to be conducting myself but I'll be in and out of the other shows as well from a comms perspective I really I really appreciate the way that you are carefully positioning yourself to take any responsibility for the music and not the admin I think that's a very care I think it's a very clever thing to do uh, sir who are you why are you here uh, I'm Nicholas Morton and I'm singing Mazzetto in Don Giovanni uh, I uh, okay so I I don't know very much opera I mean, I do, but I don't. Fit, my opera is not my natural home, so you can assume, you must assume that I know nothing. Okay. Okay. I do have a music degree. I just want to say, but I, <laughs> I just want you to know that I know nothing. Um, the thing that I do know about Cozy is that everybody does it. Is that right? And that actually nobody knows why. I watched the Moderate Soprano. Uh, and Moderate Soprano was all about mm. Cozy being the first production that they did at Kleinborn, and everybody oh. went, "Oh no." But oh, you're looking at me with blank faces, which makes me think that maybe I've just made that up. I don't know, actually. I think, I think you can do Kazi quite easily because really you only need six singers for it and you don't really have to have that much set. Um, it's certainly an easier opera than Don Giovanni, I think. Have it's you... also nicely varied because you've got, a, you've got a guaranteed role for a tenor, a soprano, a mezzo and a baritone and then another baritone and soprano. So you why would that be important? I don't it, understand. It, just in terms of it, it means that it's quite varied instead, of, and, and it, it gives you a greater melting pot to be able to select people from. In terms of things, it also means that if you're a group of friends who've created something, then you can just you know form it from that rather than uh, you know having a, an awful lot of competing people all going for the same thing, and then there being any sort of complications with people being jealous that they're not doing one of the other roles well tell me about the productions that you've been in then because <laughs> that suggests that maybe there have been problems in other productions oh no there's no I, i've never actually had any sort of legitimate problem or anything like that there was a there was a time when i was when i was studying when we did the magic flute um and uh, and i played the speaker um which is a great role to do but arguably was sort of more it's normally done by someone with a slightly greater gravitas and um uh, and um, and depth of voice than I would normally do, whereas I'm a typical Papageno kind of um, performer. And uh, but guessing that you don't have gravitas, is that? Uh, I have some gravitas, but I think in terms of the natural <laughs> the natural voice I have is is a, oh, is a bit like, okay, like in terms right, of singing right. and things like that. Um, so so it's a little bit more more difficult. But there were three baritones, and therefore one of us had to not be doing it. Um, so it just happened. And did that, that it make me. it awkward? It doesn't really, but you you know you look you look back and kind of go, damn, I wish I was doing that. Um, so does that go on as well in opera productions? Are people are people sort of going? Actually, I wanted no, that. I don't think so. I think well, at least it well, was conductors. Well, <laughs> so it's true. I'm not really involved in this, but um, I mean, when I'm dishing out the roles after our auditions, anyway, I think very often you find that people just naturally fall into one. Um, 
uh, one role or another. So, for instance, Nick, when he came in, um, you weren't auditioning to be the commendatory, which is the um, the much older, um, it's Donna Anna's father, and he comes back at the end, of course, and drags Don Giovanni back to hell. He is always cast with someone who has an older and a, a sort of deeper voice. Um, and so we knew straight away Nick wouldn't um, work well for that, but Nick's been a really fantastic Mazzetto. So I think people people know what they're looking for, and conductors and directors also have strong ideas. And I think we've uh, been very lucky, actually, with, with our cast for Don Giovanni, that it's really come together nicely. And I think the there are various couples in the opera. There's Donna Anna and Donna Tavio, and then also Mazzetto and Salina. And I think both of those sets of people have gelled together really well. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Have you enjoyed yeah, yeah, yeah. the rest of the cast? Yes. Obviously, yes. Categorically, yes. I get the impression he's okay with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's been, a, um, it's been really lovely. It's, I mean, I've worked with um, a few of the members of the cast before, which is always nice to come back to. The further and further along you go in the career and the more people you get to know, it's nice to come back to things where you're working with the same people again. Um, but it's a generally really close-knit cast actually I think and, and particularly because it's such a short process this whole thing has been very short which and means that everyone's an, supportive of one another in isn't room. there an element of the fact that because you're all sort of forced together in a relatively I mean, not in any way cut off but because you're all staying in the same house together it, it becomes quite an intense experience yeah 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 I mean it, I mean it's very it's intense in itself because it's been a short process so we had in total seven days of stage rehearsal before arriving here and then we got here on Monday and did a stagger through of Act 1 in the morning and a stagger through of Act 2 in that in Describe it as a stagger through is that a technical term or is that it's you a, just passing judgment? No, 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 no it's a stagger through it's basically you know working through a sort of ten minute chunk slowly right, 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 and then right. quickly running it okay. going back and running it and things like basically just making sure that everyone knows exactly where they're going and particularly because it was here for the first time it was making sure that we knew where we were coming on um, onto the stage and how we were doing entrances and things like that and whether things that we'd rehearsed in the studio space didn't work um, and we just needed to change those sorts of things and then suddenly Tuesday was right let's run the show <laughs> um, and then yesterday was dress rehearsal and stage and orchestra so it's all very close which means that we have to be you have to be very collaborative and very supportive of one another and that's not to say that you aren't in any other other shows but there's a greater sense of um uh, of, of independency in certain shows that you do when you've got more time because you can kind of finish rehearsals and you leave and you just go and you you um, you just realise those little moments that you needed to work on and those things and you, you sort them out in your own head whereas here you you know you're clashed together and you just have to get on with it and it has to be done which can make things a bit hard sometimes but actually because it's so short we haven't got to that stage where you're kind of wanting to <laughs> all right so, so you're actually saying <laughs> you're really That'll selling this <laughs> yeah it's so short that we don't tear each other's eyes out that's basically <laughs> what you're saying um uh, so tell me uh for those people who don't know uh the plot or the synopsis of don giovanni both of you are looking at each other in terror uh so who's gonna do this all right i'll do it so um <laughs> In essence, um, Don Giovanni is a uh, womanizer, and he's um, already left behind him. Um, in fact, we're told thousands of women um, whom he's seduced, um, and the opera opens as he's running out of Donna Anna's house, um, having um, tried to seduce her. And in the scuffle that ensues, he ends up killing her father. And really, the rest of the opera is 
um, about Donna Anna and her um, fiance Donna Tavio trying to come to terms with that and to work out who it was actually and um, who killed her father. Don Giovanni also then goes after Terlina, who's um, a girl who's engaged to Mazzetto. Um, and so really all of the other characters are trying to catch Don Giovanni. And there's a bit, there's a very memorable bit in, in Act 2 when um, Mazzetto um, meets um, the person that he thinks um, is Leporello, who's Don Giovanni's servant. Um, and they agree that they're going to try and kill Don Giovanni together. And then, of course, um, this person who's, who... Um, we think is Leporello it actually turns out as Don Giovanni in disguise he then beats up Mazzetto and so Don Giovanni gets away with it one more time and it's only at the very end of the opera when the um, the statue of the Commendatore who is the father that Don Giovanni killed at the beginning the statue comes back to life uh, after yes, having okay. been invited right. to dinner remember, yes. um, yeah, that's but... the bit actually now I recall I saw that at San Francisco San Francisco Opera. That was the bit in the opera where I thought, yeah, okay, I'm not really seeing. I, mean, I didn't really very, see how that where that came yeah, from. Really, it's a very realistic opera, right up until the moment where suddenly someone yeah. comes back to life yeah. and drags someone down to hell. Like Sounds like somebody ran out of ideas, or but <laughs> maybe you just yeah. embrace that. I can't do, do people what it's based on? If it, I, if it is based it's, on. It's, so what I gather is that it's based on a sort of legends associated with this well legendary Don Juan figure from Spanish of history and it sort of blends with mythology really um and lorenzo da ponte who wrote the libretto for mozart sort of collated those ideas really and there was actually an earlier play called something like don giovanni and it may have had a slightly different title and our don giovanni is loosely based on that though it's tightened up and it's made much more dramatic in the version by mozart and da ponte i've been to the amphitheater which is obviously today a little bit damp (laughs) and it's a bit chilly Um, what is it like singing there because that's singing outside and I've always thought singing outside was a bad thing Um, it's it's actually quite nice it's not as uh, there's a sort of not bad fear for the audience no no, no I know for you. there's a sort of fear that singing outside is going to be a problem you have to cater for the fact that you don't have an acoustic to work with in quite the same way um, but uh, it's it's not so bad because the elevated steps appear to give a little bit of an acoustic and a bit of a ring there's a weird sweet spot right in the middle of the stage which um is that where you are most well, of the time? Yeah. Is that where you find yeah, yourself yes, most I, of the yeah, time? Yeah. This Although, is my spot What here. I found is that it, is, is it actually doesn't benefit anybody listening to it other than the person who is standing there. Yeah, it's a yeah, weird yeah. little moment where you basically stand there and you feel like you're singing Votan instead. And it's, <laughs> it's just particularly... But actually, it's it's... It's it's fine. It's it's not a problem at all singing out there, uh, well, and you just have to know to not push. You have to trust that people can hear you. Well, okay. I mean, it being an amphitheatre, it was actually designed to let text be very clear. Um, I think originally probably for plays, but actually that's really helpful given we're singing it in English. Mm-hmm. Um, we're using a very um, would you say it's a witty transition? I'd say it's a witty. Surely it's just a translation. Surely it is witty. I'm just being a pedant now. Surely, surely. What do you mean? Yes. (laughs) Um, Surely it was witty anyway. I I think yes. There are funny moments in the Italian, but I think um, a witty translation. Well, I think it's updated for contemporary audiences so that we can really understand. It's very fast-paced. One of the things that Jeremy Sams, the translator, does very well, I think, is where in the Italian there's often just repeated text. He 
um, gives us new text each time and that's great for the audience it's not so good for the singers who have to learn more and more <laughs> but, um, but I think a sort of 21st century audience is used to taking in so much more text say from, from TV and from films and actually we can take all of that information coming in to us much more quickly so I think the translation it does a very good job of updating Don Giovanni for a modern audience but also um, preserving obviously the sort of character and the kind of formality of some bits of the original yeah. um, and the amphitheatre is great actually at letting that text come right forwards to the audience so I don't think they'll have any problem I've seen I've seen where the orchestra uh, the orchestra's in a sort of a marquee thing mm-hmm. uh, where do you go? are you in front of the orchestra? or are you? no so I'm, I'm on one of the steps in the amphitheatre and it, it's a slightly strange setup actually so I'm in front of the stage and I have the singers immediately in front of me and then the orchestra further back um, so it's sort of the opposite way around from yes. a normal um, opera um an opera house and we, we anticipated <laughs> you're in the pit <laughs> he said that with quite a lot of bitterness uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether you picked that up um, uh, no. uh, so how is that for you because that's a bit or how is it for the musicians Cause... well I think the orchestra it's, it's probably hardest for them I mean the singers I don't think have I mean you tell me you don't have that much trouble seeing me certainly you've got to glance up mm. it's a slightly high angle but I think really that's not problematic it's like looking at a monitor that you would in the theatre anyway so that's right. not a problem mm. okay. and I think the orchestra are doing a really wonderful job of being very prompt on my beat so that actually we haven't had really very many ensemble problems um, between the singers and the orchestra so we're I mean we've got a little rehearsal tonight and we're going to sort out when it gets dark obviously it gets harder and um, I mean that's one of the nice things about doing it um, outside is that the kind of atmosphere of the um, the whole stage really changes through the second half of the opera mm. when the audience comes back for the second act it's I don't know touching nine o'clock um, or so by the end of it and it's really very dark we've got a wonderful lighting director and so it can be really atmospheric when the commendatory comes to bring Don Giovanni down to hell um, and I think that's what makes the amphitheatre a really interesting space I mean it makes it a dramatic space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's it? kind of it's, the space sort of has a life of its own in a way that if you're in a theatre and it's all lit anyway, I think the audience you kind of expect um, different things from it. Whereas when it just gradually dims all through the first and second acts, it's very atmospheric, and then at the end you realise that something very special has happened. You're all about control, aren't mm. you? I can tell. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're doing that with your hands. It's terrifying. Um, here's, here's a thing that um, has struck me, and I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable asking it, but um, I... Uh, I asked Guy earlier on uh, how long it took, you know, what what the life cycle of, of Water Perry Opera was, i.e. when he had the idea and when he started working with Rebecca uh, to this point. I was amazed to discover it's basically 13 months old. And um, uh, what sort of person is he to deliver that kind of thing? Guy Withers? Yeah. Well, I think he has done an absolutely remarkable job at thinking of all the sort of little things that... If I were running an opera festival, I'd definitely have forgotten everything from um, sort of wondering about um, how you're going to cater for 100 people while you're here to sorting out the kind of music stand lights for the orchestra. But when, and but, but the, when, when, he, came, when he came up, sorry to interrupt you, but when he came up with that uh, idea initially, mm-hmm. did people go... What are you doing? (laughs) Why on earth would you want to do that? No, I don't think they did at all because the idea, I think, really um, uh, was brought to life just after we'd done this Cosi Fantote here almost, yeah, as you say, 13 months ago. And, I mean, that time we came, we'd done the the performances in London. We came, we had about four hours rehearsal at Water Perry. We put it all together. And, of course, there were some rough corners on it, but basically it worked really wonderfully well in the space. And I think we were all very excited about that and knew that this was a space that was really worth 
making opera for and specifically designing opera to go in this space and the possibilities of that space we were very excited to explore and I think from that and from that enthusiasm um, that was really when the opera festival was born and why we're still here doing Do it again you, um, this is going to sound like a really patronising question sorry <laughs> um, are you all recent graduates uh, I graduated two years ago from uh, the Royal College of Music Opera School so right. I graduated from did you do Herring? Were you yes, in Herring? I was seeing that. Uh, I remember seeing. I remember seeing that production, thinking that yeah, was really quite. Yes, yeah. it was really very good. Very good. Sorry, I don't. I'm to make that sound like I'm really surprised. Uh, no, I remember really enjoying Herring. Um, uh, I just wonder whether there is something uh, about, for example, if you were 20 years older, maybe there wouldn't be that. There's an enormous amount of energy here. A guy says that um, it's because of lots of opera singers around, and that's just something that goes with the territory. But um, I wonder whether, in order to <clears throat> have the energy to put something like this on, which is no mean feat, mm. uh, you need to be reasonably young and energetic and not in any way cynical. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I, th I think, like, uh, only to a degree, but I think like, the, the, the fact that the average age here is under 30. It means that there's a lot of energy and a lot of willingness to, 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 um, to kind of go with what there is here because obviously it being a first year it means that there's still so many things that are also being tested they don't know what's mm -hmm. you know I what's going to happen wrong. no no, no <laughs> it's not it's not wrong but they're they, just being you know tested. they don't you know they, they could anything could could happen in the next three or four days but we just don't know yet because it, we haven't seen it before which means that you know we're all in that position where we're just like well you just have to see what happens whereas I think when you've been doing this for a lot longer once you have been doing it for 20 years I think you would be in a position where you're just left going oh, I just want to know what I'm doing I want to be called. I want to go to my dressing room. I want to. Is do that this. something that you strive for? Eventually, <laughs> but at the moment, I'm very happy to be right. free. No, but I don't know. I don't, because I don't. I haven't performed professionally, yeah. so I wonder whether uh, whether there is an element of it. Yeah, I'm prepared to do this for, uh, at this moment in time. But in ten years' time, I want to know where my dressing room is and when when the right. Do you, do I think there's a change. That'll be the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a slight kind of. Shift. I mean, I, I don't know what I'll be like in ten years' time. I hope I'm not a kind of. Diva, grumpy diva, who's kind of going. No, I must have my special dressing gown yeah. and all green M and M's. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got the impression that he probably will. Be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that he's already thought that. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're all prepared. Um, but I th no, I think I think uh, we all have to be slightly more prepared to be a bit more flexible on those sorts of things, and it's something that we develop over time. And the the age of the diva has definitely gone. Mm. They still exist, and they are still very annoying. Yes. But in the truth, like you, you just have to be. Yes, exactly. Well, you just have yeah. to be willing to do the job. It is a job, and if you don't love it, don't do it. But if you love it, then do it properly and do it, you know, and, and be respectful of everybody else around you and things like that. And I, I wonder whether I wonder whether there's something appealing about doing this kind of project uh, over saying a. I don't want to say more professional gear, as in uh, mainstream opportunities. Mm. But again, that might be an assumption on my part. I think we're probably trying to do different things, really, because, I mean, clearly the amphitheatre here, I mean, it can seat maybe 350 at a push, but it's certainly not anything like as big as Glyndebourne, for instance. And we're not trying to compete with Glyndebourne. And of course, it would be stupid if we did try to do that. And so I think that probably goes along with what you're saying, Nick, about people being willing to try things out. And I actually think that's what the whole festival is. It's trying to offer something different from Glyndebourne. So I think it's a... Um, 
in a way, I mean, it's a less formal atmosphere, certainly. I mean, simple things like we don't have a dress code. It's what I've um, experienced from Waterbury as a site itself. It's been a really welcoming place um, to work and to live for the last few weeks. And I think that sort of rubbed off on everyone here that we're a very friendly team and everyone gets on very well. There's that real sense that you can go and sit next to anyone that you like at lunch or breakfast and yeah. it's and the lunch is great i have to say yeah, that yeah. was the first experience that i had when i got here um it was it was very rich and there was a lot of cheese um what are you both what cheese Lots of, lots, oh, lots of cheese. Okay. Uh, what are you both doing next after this? Uh, immediately that, after sorry, this. That's a rotten question. No, no, not at all. Oh, the door is really empty. No, no, no. Immediately after this, I actually moved to Austria um, because my partner is doing a, a fest contract out there. Um, and then I've got a bit of time to do some auditioning out there and things before I start a uh, contract with Midwell's Opera in November. Very, okay. very, very end of October, November, doing um, La Espanol. Um, uh, when people say that they're moving to Austria yes. or Switzerland, obviously uh, images abound. Um, are you moving to a rural location? I'm moving to a... Salzburg. Okay. <laughs> oh, it sounds awful. Yeah. It sounds yeah, terrible. It's, 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 yeah, you'd really hate that. To have to do. <laughs> uh, and what about you, Sir Bertie? Um, well, I'm moving to Denver in Colorado. Um, oh. So I'm from September. I'll be the assistant conductor of the Colorado Symphony. Wow. Um, so I'm moving further than you, yeah. basically. Is it, is it a competition? <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> it's just can't um, wait to get out of Waterbury, basically. Can't wait to... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is not really working. Out. Um, uh, what will you be doing there, uh, other than being assistant conductor? I mean... So I mean, I'm covering um, all the main season subscription concerts, doing some educational concerts of my own, um, working well. Actually, I'm working with the the. Uh, uh, music director Brett Mitchell and the guest conductors who come in and I think I'll um, gradually sort of start building up from children's concerts and then get into subscription concerts I've got to do a Harry Potter film oh, live well, in concerts really? um, I do yeah I want, so, I want, I, uh, if there was a Harry Potter day I don't know but are you aware of Harry Potter day no, it's an internet thing it's a Twitter thing and I happen to bark on Twitter that um, I didn't like the fact that Decker was sort of well basically exploiting Harry Potter Day on, on Twitter. This is going somewhere. Um, and uh, I received quite a lot of abuse from really? Harry Potter fans. There's quite a lot of <laughs> well, quite a lot of Harry Potter interest. Well, I, know, I mean, I must admit, I have great respect for the music of the Harry Potter films. I think it's really remarkably um, atmospheric and really yes, conjures yes. up this incredible world. And um, I think, actually, that I mean, I've only ever seen Jaws before live in concert with an orchestra, but for me at least if it's a good film and it's good music yes. and I think that's true of the Harry Potters um, all the way through I think it's a great thing to do and it's really important to get people into the concert hall and totally. actually I think that's something American orchestras are very good at is bringing um, either the, their symphony orchestras out to other people or bringing people in who wouldn't otherwise come in I so. mean you've got the job now so you don't need to you don't need <laughs> to be saying that. no my only beef about Harry Potter is that when I see people in their mid 40s wearing you yeah, know yeah. I just think it's not it's not yeah I don't yeah. think it's Really? Will you, do you? Do you have to do no, that? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> You've made that quite clear. You're not going to do that. They might suggest it now. <laughs> uh, when does that start? Uh, uh, contract starts in September. Uh, and does that mean you're moving out there? Will you come back? I'll, I'll or is that back, it? Um, Are you just turning your back on the UK? No, no, I'm going to be back um, quite often, actually. I'm doing um, two operas in England and also a conducting competition with the London Symphony Orchestra. Oh, so I can't remember her name. Uh, Donatella Flick. Yes. Yes, so I'm coming back for that. that. So that's my first thing I'm coming back for in November. Oh. That's a really... I actually already enjoyed that. 
because mm. it's a really odd it's a really odd experience as an audience member to sit yeah, in imagine. the audience and hear the same piece of music but done in a completely different yeah, way yeah. is that a nerve-wracking prospect uh yeah i mean i think all these competitions are, are very um that i mean it's a high profile thing obviously the london symphony orchestra is a fantastic orchestra um and i think what's what sort of um it's more that you have very little time in all these competitions so for instance you might have 20 minutes of the rehearsal and in that 20 minutes you have to try and show off all that you can be as a conductor and it's often very hard to know exactly what the judges are looking for in fact you never know exactly what the judges are looking for it's dangerous of course to second guess that um, and all you can do really I mean the advice from everyone is that you go and you be yourself and maybe you'll be lucky and you'll be the one that they like but um, it's it's yeah it, it is a daunting prospect certainly and of course with the experience of the orchestra um, that's always sort of staring down the back but um, I'm really looking forward to it as well Many thanks to the staff, volunteers and cast who made me feel really welcome at the Water Perry Opera Festival. The festival runs until the 19th of August 2018 with dates for next year's festival already set. That's the 25th to the 28th of July 2019. Find out more at waterperryoperafestival.com This podcast is available on Spotify and iTunes. Please rate, like and share it wherever you can. Your support really helps raise awareness of the podcast and helps secure future funding for it too. If you'd like to get in touch, please tweet me at thoroughlygood or email me, John Jacob, using the address john.jacob at thoroughlygood.me.